listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. We're in a series entitled Apostolic Exiles, and for those of you who haven't been here, just those two words real quick. I know you want to think we're talking about the Apostle John. The word apostolic, it's not that application. An apostle is a messenger, somebody who represents someone else, an ambassador, or someone who goes to colonize a region. I know that has a bad connotation in our, our culture, but I can assure you it, it shouldn't and it doesn't. Uh, it's wrongly used, certainly. It would be inappropriate. But when you bring something that's amazing to a region and you push it into that region and it, the region becomes better because of the gift that's been given, uh, the function of an apostle is amazing. Also, exiles. Exile is the state of being absent from your native country, your kingdom. A lot of times it's for political or punitive reasons, but sometimes it's a mission. And so when we talk about the idea of an apostolic exile, it's someone who is a ambassadorial representative who's gone to colonize another region on behalf of the kingdom that sent it. So uh, today I want to read you just one portion of scripture. Many of you will recognize this. It says, therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out, and they will find pasture. Now the thief, he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Amen. Let me pray for you, okay? Father, thank you for these beautiful people. Thank you for the great opportunity to celebrate baptism. Lord, so many of the people standing in this room, they've been baptized. I think back, uh, some of them here in this room, some in other places. But Lord, we thank you for each and every one who follows you. Lord, we pray to the future for future baptisms. People who decide to follow because of the people that are in this room. We pray, God, for your touch on your word. Actually, touch me. Your word doesn't need any help. I do. And so I pray your blessing. Help me to speak clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Give the Lord a big hand before you do. Celebrate heaven for a minute. Um, okay, buckle up. I only got a few minutes. Well, no, I have way more time than I thought. Well, they're telling me I only have 20 minutes, but I put that time limit on myself. We just got to get out of here in a reasonable time, right? So 4 o'clock, if you don't have anything planned until then, you're going to be good to go. Let's go. Okay, so we've been in this series, and we were building up. We were talking about the kingdom of heaven but because of water baptism, I just want to kind of pause that thought. Next week, we'll pick it up because the kingdom is under attack, right? The kingdom is suffering violence. But I want to talk for a few moments about uh, citizenship and specifically citizenship in heaven, okay? And uh, you can take me back to the first slide. Um, and I, I want you to think just for a moment about what it takes to become a citizen in the United States. Now, I know uh, there's some controversial things right now. I want to make a couple of statements to you. Um, in my lifetime, I come across people who are in the country illegally. That's just a fact of life in some cases. I'm not here to, uh, my, I would wrap my arms around somebody who's in that situation. And they, for whatever reason they found, I'm not running off to report anybody, okay? Can we be clear? However, I also at the same time am very clear about the rule of law for a nation. I have a front door on my house. And there's a process for you to come through my front door because I have a responsibility to protect my family. And I respect other front doors. And so I think that any, any nation that begins to form 
one of the best ways to function is to have a law and to have rule of law and a way for the door to swing both directions. Now, just real quick, I chat GPT'd just to be trendy with the young people. For those of you in your 30s or 40s who don't know what that is, come see me later. Me and some 15-year-old student will explain it to you. However, um, I just asked it to give me the bullet points on how to become a citizen in the United States. Now, so you know, we've helped people become citizens. Our, our church has. We've got pastors in the United States who come from Australia, and we've helped to lock this down so they could come into the country to become citizens. We helped plant a church down in um, the, the greater Dallas, Texas area, and we were all a part of that process, paid for a large portion of that or underwrote lots of that. And so there's a pastor today in a pulpit. He's not from this nation. He's working on this very process. So I not only needed chat GPT, but once chat GPT gave it to me, I've been a part of this process. Am I saying it correctly, Alana? Yeah, okay, okay. I just, I don't know if you're giggling was, my old pastor, he's actually relevant or he's saying it wrong. <laughs> I had a pastor one time who preached on Simon the leper and he kept talking about Simon the leper like 45 times. He said Simon the leper, but he didn't say Simon the leper. He said, Simon the Leaper, the entire sermon. <laughs> Woo! Simon the Leaper. Okay, so, squirrel. Okay, so for citizenship in the United States, the first thing you need to do outside of the country, you need to apply. Then you're issued a green card. And when you are given that green card, you're only given the green card because it recognizes employment or you're being sponsored by a family, you're a refugee, or you've declared asylum or any other eligible category to get that card. Also, once you have the card, you have to come and reside in the United States as a permanent residence. Number three, you need to meet the, the criteria to be eligible. You have to, this is, this, this is, I'm reading right off the paper here, okay? Demonstrate good moral character. That's the, the measurement. We're gonna lose some citizens real quick. <laughs> it, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah. We only want people with good moral character because we've achieved that. Well, hmm. Okay, they, they also have to be proficient in English and knowledgeable about U.S. government and history. They must submit Form N-400 and pay a uh, filing fee. They have to set up a biometrics appointment, provide fingerprints, photograph, and signature. They have to be informed of a naturalization interview. They get formal notice. Then they have to study for the civics and English language test. They gather the required documents, the green card, IDs, tax returns. Then number seven, they attend their naturalization interview. This is a process, right? Um, so they stand before the interview with a UC, USCIS officer. They answer questions about, the, about their application, and then they take their test. Then they receive a decision. It's not guaranteed. You could do all these things, and still you must uh, get the decision. If you're approved, you attend a ceremony and you take an oath of allegiance. You pledge allegiance to the United States of America. Next, uh, they receive a certificate of naturalization, proof that they are a citizen. Number 10, they update their social security records and other, other pertinent records so that the nation knows. Then they're able to register to vote in whatever state they live, and they are officially at that point a citizen. That is supposed to be how it works. It's not working that way right now, and I'm not here to make a political statement, but I will definitely say what's going on right now is concerning. It's really less the issue about citizenship, and it's the fact that there is a way to become a part of something. And for the safety of those who are outside and for the safety who are, who are, 
who are inside and all that's involved for children and for adults. And I, I again, I'm, I'm trying not to be political, but I think it's important to, to recognize we have laws for a reason and we expect our government officials to uphold them no matter who they are. And it appears right now we have, is this okay? I don't know. I just blame it on I was chilled for a while and I've lost my mind, okay? But it is disturbing when we have elected officials who have swore an oath to the Constitution who are not upholding the Constitution. And I would just challenge you when we vote in the future, I'm not here to tell you who to vote for. I used to believe, and I think it should be this way, when I go into the voter's booth, there's a curtain there so I can vote privately. I'm supposed to be the only one who knows what I vote. I don't, I, I'll, you'll never hear me tell you from the pulpit who you need to vote for. But I will tell you that I would always vote for the best option, which isn't always great. But choose the best option and choose somebody who has a track record of upholding the laws of our land and the U.S. Constitution. Because without that, we're just a, a, a country of people doing crazy stuff and it. Everybody has a new truth. My truth, your truth. We've decided on a truth called the Constitution, and we want to function that way. And so I'm looking forward to uh, maybe how things work out down there in Texas. Anyways, moving along. Um, that being said, that, that is the formal way that you become a citizen formally in the United States. And again, somebody walks through our doors who got here a different way. We're going to hug them. We're going to love them. If, especially their desire just to be a part of the nation, to be a part of a, a, of a land that's imperfect, but hopefully working to be perfected. My concern about the way it's going right now is I, was, I watched 9-11 happen on TV, and some of the people that are coming in are coming here with a specific agenda. And I can't wait till we lock the door because I believe in protecting my family. We have security on this property right now to protect you. It's a very serious thing. It's a sobering thing, some things that have happened in churches, not on our watch. Mom, Dad, you can be confident of this. There's a camera in every single room for a purpose. It's to watch over your children. It's to protect your children. We want to protect our family. We want to protect our nation. Is that okay? I think that's just a responsibility that every, every leader of a home should have and the leader of any organization should have the foresight to protect its people. Okay. Some of you are like, I don't know. Is that supposed to quiet about that? Just keeping it real, people. Okay, so let's talk about how to become... This is a very formal process of uh, becoming a citizen in the United States. And when they swear, the people swear that allegiance, it's the, it's the public declaration, declaration for the private thing that's been going on behind closed doors. And I, I wanna get to that point where you'll see this as the same type of thing. While this is not about becoming the citizen of the United States, there is some formality to that same process. Now, um, you could see citizenship take place in God's kingdom all throughout the Bible, because there's been different representations of the kingdom of heaven. We talked early on in this series about the kingdom of heaven being established on earth once again in the form of the Garden of Eden, and God placed man there in the garden to be his, uh, his, his apostle, to be his representative, and he was given specific direction on to go and subdue the land and establish order and to take dominion and to replenish the earth. And we begin to discover the picture books that our children have of, you know, a man and a woman with a, naked with a fig leaf petting kitties on, you know, in the woods is not what was actually going on, although it was Adam and was Eve, and they were naked. They were very intelligent, and they had this spot of ground God had established. And really, when you look at Genesis 2.15, God 
put him in the garden. We have this picture that God made him in the garden, but that's not the case as you look at the original Hebrew. God placed him in that spot on the earth that he had said, this is my outpost. Almost like a, an embassy of the United States in a different country, God placed Eden on this planet and he said, we're gonna have you push out the walls of Eden, take dominion and to rule and to reign. And so God places him there and that establishes his citizenship in the kingdom of heaven that existed within the Garden of Eden. And so he was placed, that made him a citizen. And certainly the thought process would be that anyone born to him would naturally become a citizen of heaven, just like we see happening here in the United States. But something uh, critical happens. We've talked a little bit about this, but Adam and Eve sinned. They were fooled by another king, small k, the king of this world, the god of this world, the prince of the power of the air, fooled Eve and through guile, through deceit. And so when she submitted to him, she and her kingdom paid homage to another kingdom. It's a reason why the United States flag is always the highest flag when it's established on one of our Capitol buildings. There could be another flag, but it's not supposed to be flown at the same height. Concerning things we've seen around the nation over the last few years, that in, in, in the Garden of Eden, the kingdom flag, there wasn't one probably, but that was the superior flag. But the moment you bow to something else, you and the kingdom you represent is now submitting to that other kingdom. And so Adam and Eve could no longer remain on that territory because they had sworn un unknowingly an allegiance by their sinful actions and they were removed from the garden. And you read that terrible account there at, in Genesis 3, but it says he drove out the man and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim, that's an angel, and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. There was no direct path. There's no direct understanding for them how to get back into the kingdom of heaven that existed in the Garden of Eden. God hadn't forgotten us. He hadn't forgotten them. And you see, again, the, the, the blueprint of the kingdom of heaven once again being established on the earth. And we see it as, as God is dealing with, um, uh, with uh, Abram, and we are in Genesis chapter 15, God begins a dialogue, not the first person he spoke to, but begins a dialogue with a man named Abram. He's an older man, and he promises to make him into a great nation. And it's interesting when you read through this, it's um, God is about to establish his kingdom now through a people, not, a, not an area of topography, although he gives the people a, a piece of ground, but he declares that he's going to make these people his people. So he says, to Abram, and he says, he brings him outside, and he says, look towards heaven and number the stars, and if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be, and the Bible says that Abram believed the Lord, and God counted it to him as righteousness. This is the beginning of God breathing the promise of, I'm declaring your, your lineage will be my people, the people of Israel later on through the generations, what we know today as the Jewish nation, and the, the ground given to those people. I'm about to get a little bit political again, okay? But, but I'm going to be biblical about it. God chose a people, and as you read a little bit further, through these people, he wanted to declare to the world an invitation to come and be my people. The Garden of Eden no longer existed, so God chose a people to do this. Believe it or not, uh, by adoption, God invites Abram to become his apostle on earth. 
And Abram actually experiences being in exile because although he was given a land, many of his generations didn't occupy the land and they end up in Egypt later on as slaves and as exiles, they make their way back to the land that God had promised. Now, in our, um, as, you, as you look at the scripture here, there was a certain, you know, we did baptism today that is the outside work. Um, if you don't know what I'm about to read and don't know what I'm talking about, ask your mom. I'm not going to get too graphic, but here's the sign. It says, God said to Abram, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout the generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring ever after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. I don't know. I wonder what Adam or Abram thought to himself when he hears this. I can't think of a crazier thing for God to come up with. You want me to do what? Now, I'm not trying to be off color, but this is like, this is very intimate. This sign of the fact that you want me to be your son. And as you go down through scripture, it says every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house, now here's a key, or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money surely shall be circumcised. And as you actually study it, it's actually, there's, it's not just who you buy, it's who, be, who wants to join you. It's quite a, a cost for citizenship. And yet very intimate, very sincere, it marked the people of God. Goes on to say, so shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not, any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken his covenant. Exodus 19, five through six. And I'm sorry if I'm standing in the way, um, but I'll read it to you. It says, now fully obey me, fully and keep my covenant. Then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Now listen to what he says. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Priests are people who grab on to other people to introduce them to God. You as a people will be my priests to the world. My relationship with you, you will extend to other people. That was the intent of God. They were not to be an exclusive people. They were to be God's representatives reaching out to others and introducing them to his kingdom. And the rite of passage was Thank God it's baptism today. Any, did I get any amens? Amen. There's actually one, in, one account where of, of David's children. Some of you will know this. Um, his sons are mentioned, and his daughter, he had a couple of daughters. One of them was named Dinah. And they were in an area where, um, actually, I said David. Uh, it's uh, Israel. I think it's Israel. Yeah. Oh, the, yes, thank you very much for those of you <laughs> going to correct me. I did go to Bible college. I just don't remember. And, uh, and uh, the, it was the... The daughter was raped by a, the, the Bible's fascinating. For those of you who think it's boring, it's crazy the stuff that goes on there. I can't preach half the things that take place because mixed crowd and all that kind of thing. It's, it's got violence. It's got twisted sin that's crazy. Crazy stuff. Like, what? You did what? And yet there's great moments of repentance. It's just a fascinating book. And God doesn't endorse it all, but he also doesn't hide humanity in what we do. Newsflash, God doesn't need you to be perfect. He wants to perfect you, but don't hide who you are. It's not helpful. If God was, uh, if I was going to make a brochure for Christianity, I don't know it would be the Bible because there's a lot of things about us that I don't want anybody to know about. 
right? I would polish it up and get some models, use, a, use one of those filters that, what, glamour shots. Yeah, that's what I, what I would do, shave, you know. But God's not afraid of that. He shows us who, he, he uses imperfect examples. And this happened within uh, the young family of Abram's sons, that the daughter was raped by a nearby king. But the young man who raped her was the king's son, and he was so infatuated with her still, he wanted to marry her. The brothers knew that she had been raped. Even dad knew. Nobody said anything. The king shows up. And really, Abram's the king as well. He's, he's a thriving people. He's leading a nation. Really, it's, it's huge. And when the father and son show up and ask for her hand in marriage, they talk about it, and then Abram responds, oh, you, can, you, can, you certainly could uh, marry my daughter, but there's one thing you have to do. I would have loved to be there where they were having that discussion. You want me to do what? What? You, you did that? I don't believe you did that. Prove it. I mean, the discussion that would have happened there. <laughs> That's where my mind goes when I read scripture. The, bunny is, the Bible is a funny document. Some of you have never laughed reading. I'm like, what? There's no way. But... The crazier thing is the young man loves the girl so much. He's like, dad, I'm willing to do it. Are you willing to do it? He's the king. Their whole city does it so that they can intermarry. And it was their rite of passage to become a part of the nation. It was not an exterior, it was not an internal thing. It was a a sign on the outside, but it was in order to become a citizen of heaven. Now, once uh, those men who had been circumcised were at about day four and laid up and sore. The brothers went in and killed all of them. Just so you know, there's a little twist there. They weren't the ambassadors. They should be. Yeah, welcome to our nation. Um, But that's the Bible for you. Um, And dad was very upset. And so they were all grounded and couldn't watch TV later. Their smart devices were taken away. But that was how passage into the, the, uh, the nation or the kingdom of Israel. So let's talk about real quick the kingdom of heaven. So citizenship into the kingdom of heaven is not as formal. It's not as many steps, but this is how it works. And a lot of, a lot of churches would teach, and I, when I, I use the term church loosely, some church organizations would require you to go through certain steps and certain classes and eat this thing and drink that thing, and boom, now you're done. But as you look at the scripture in the New Testament, it really is an it, it invitation to join a kingdom that is issued to an individual through the spirit of God to their spirit, drawing them into life out of death. And we see it happen through a couple of scriptures that I think are valuable. And this, this type of kingdom is now being established on earth as Jesus shows up. This type of kingdom did not exist in the Old Testament. This blueprint that we see in the Old Testament in the garden that we see amongst the nation of Israel is, is, a, is an earthly kingdom shadow of a spiritual kingdom, but it wasn't a spiritual kingdom established yet. But Jesus shows up on the scene, and the Bible says he begins to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within reach to you. He's preaching to people saying, there was a kingdom that was in Eden. Then there was a kingdom in Israel. And at this time, the kingdom has been lost to the Roman Empire, but there's a kingdom within reach. God's kingdom is coming nearby to you. This concept was crazy. They had not, this had not been preached before, but Jesus is talking about the fact that anyone, any place, now heaven is within reach. I think it's amazing when I wake up in the morning while I put my feet on terra firma, 
I wake up and I stand in the kingdom of heaven every day. Every step I take, I bring the kingdom of heaven with me. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I am a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Any type of diplomat comes from another nation and stands on our territory, they have an element of diplomatic immunity, especially if they are at their embassy. Everywhere I walk, every spot I step on, because I am an ambassador, I'm a dignitary from God's kingdom, every place I step, I have immunity, and I bring the kingdom with me. The same command that God has given Adam, or Adam and Eve to replenish, to repopulate, to take over, to establish God's dominion, not their dominion, is the same thing when I walk into a brand new place for the first time. I'm on mission because I'm an apostle representing God called to establish the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Christianity is not about saying yes to Jesus and praying a prayer and holding on white knuckles until, until the end. It's about you and I becoming strong, filled with the spirit, stepping into the kingdom of this world and taking ground and taking territory because every place we step, we establish his kingdom. And that's what God has called us to do. And so Jesus introduces this, come on, step into the kingdom. Well, how can I step into the kingdom? I already am in the kingdom, Israel. No, you're not, you don't understand. That's just an earthly blueprint. I'm here to reveal the spiritual truth. Come and experience the kingdom of heaven. Luke chapter five, verse 27, um, he walks, Jesus walks up to a tax collector named Levi, becomes one of his 12 disciples. And he was uh, uh, sitting at a tax booth and he said to him, just really simple, you come and follow me. And at that moment, that tax collector who was hated by the nation of Israel stood up from his duties and began to follow Jesus. And I believe this, when he did, he stepped over the line of the kingdom of this world and took his first step into the kingdom of heaven. Had no clue exactly what was taking place. I remember the night I said yes to following Jesus. I, I, I could hear heaven. It was like drawing me to follow Jesus. I, I couldn't articulate it. It was really weird. I went to a, uh, a Billy Graham conference about a week later. I brought a friend of mine. I wanted my friend to get saved. And up in the altar, they began to ask me some questions I couldn't answer, so they were sure that I was not following Jesus like I said I was. I said, look, I can't tell you all the right answers, but I can tell you without a doubt, I am following Jesus. I am born again. I am saved. That's all I knew to say. Because I knew, because when you become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, you know it. You know it. Especially like me where I was older. Many of you, you started the process when you were so young. It's a distant memory. But as you walk, you can still feel the kingdom of heaven with you. I don't know about you, but that is the most incredible thing. When I walk through this world, I am not alone. If they put me in jail, I am not alone. Those prison bars do not define my perimeter. If somebody tries to box me in, if there's an enemy at hand, they don't define, I am free. I am living in the kingdom of heaven. I am walking with a king. He's with me every moment of the day. Now, there's sometimes it doesn't feel like it. I mean, even for Jesus. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, is what he said in the Aramaic. He felt like God had left him. If Jesus felt that way, you're going to feel that way sometimes too. You will. However, we know that God the Father had not left him. He doesn't leave us. And so every step we take. And so when, when Levi stood up and went, I believe he stepped, his heart changed. He, he made a heart decision. He didn't have to be in a certain place. He didn't have to do something crazy to his body. He said yes. 
and it was a decision of the heart. John chapter 3, Jesus kind of kind of puts this idea in a little bit different phrase. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is, and he uses this phrase, born again, he cannot see or he cannot step into the kingdom of heaven. That born again I thing is, you know, as you answer the invitation, as you say yes, it's the craziest thing. It's like you step out of the old and you begin to step into the process of God's new. And he begins to dis- shape you and begins to wash you. And uh, the person that you see standing before you is still filled with faults. I try to live them transparently. The last thing I want you to do, you to think about me is that I have my act all together or I am, I am A plus, good to go. In fact, that would be a disservice to you because then you would feel like I could never be Pastor Steve. And the reality is I want you to see that I'm human. I'm not afraid for you to see that. That's why I intentionally sin occasionally in your presence. <laughs> Just checking if you're still alive. <laughs> I don't intentionally sin. I might sin in your presence by accident. Um, but definitely my imperfection, I don't try to hide it. Why? Because then you'll know that oh, if he's imperfect, it's okay that I'm imperfect too. And that we can all strive together to have only one that's perfect in our lives. And his name is Jesus. And as long as he's the one that's perfect and we're all being perfected, I think there's hope for us no matter where you are in that journey. So Jesus said, being, you need to be born again. And there was a discussion there, but it's really stepping over the line into a new kingdom. It's a, it's a rebirth of your heart. It's being filled with his spirit initially. It's that, that the air for the very first time from heaven comes into your spirit, which I describe as like a, like a sail that's been uh, wrapped around the pole, the mast of a, of a of a sailboat, and that's spiritually dead. You're designed to catch the wind of God's breath, his word in your life, but you're not able to even, you're like, I don't believe the Bible. I don't, I don't believe that junk because your, your sails never caught the wind, but God breathes on it, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, what is that? Remember that first night, feeling the presence of God. I was like, wow, I feel the presence. Of, I've never felt this before. I had gone to church for eight years, the same church, I'd never felt the presence of God there. I, I was terrified a little bit because of the organ player and the giant pipe organ. I thought vampires lived behind that thing. It was, and everybody was so angry and frowns on their face and nobody was excited. And we sang about things that seemed glorious on paper, but in real life, they didn't seem, I know, you, I know what you're about to write on that thing. I know what you're about to, this is a person who's charged to tell me to stop preaching. The enemy of pastors, over over what? Get over yourself? What, what are we, what's, the, what's the note for myself? Is this, are we playing like, a, is this Wheel of Fortune where I got to guess the word? Okay, stand, yeah. See, you don't like the attention, do you? Get, get what? All right, worship team, come on up here. I'll, I'll finish. She's actually in charge. I'm just doing whatever I'm supposed to do. Let me, let me, let me finish with this. And why don't you stand with me? Would have been if you guys had queued up this terrifying organ soundtrack, that would have been that would have been that would have been awesome. <laughs> um, but walking into that church, church very similar to ours, where people, uh, you know, Jenny this morning opening our gathering, just so excited, trying to get you excited about our opportunity. I never, Jenny, I never saw anything like that at my previous church. That way back then. It looked like everybody was being tortured and, and that torture was the thing that would please God. A, a 
Let's all do something we don't want to do for an hour to make God happy. No parent does that to their children. But walking into that church that actually had a relationship with God, man, because I wanted to believe in God. His words sounded great. These songs sound great, but nobody, I'm not seeing anybody who's ever experienced what we're singing about and then walked into the church. Ooh, man, these people, they're smiling, they're happy, they're excited. They're raising, I had never, what is the raising the hand thing? I don't know what that is. I think I'll give it a try. Maybe we're airing out or we're trying to, maybe it's hot in here. Hear, to actually hear other people sing. I had never heard that in my previous church. I had never heard anybody else but the preacher with his collar get up on the platform because this is like, you'd, you'd die if you came up here. But in the, in the new church, everyday people sharing the truth of God at work in their life. So powerful, so beautiful. It's a kingdom on earth. Acts 2.38 just simply says, uh, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what I would say to you today is there's an invitation if you haven't already stepped into the kingdom of heaven, come home. It'd be the best decision you've ever made. Say yes to following Jesus. It's one decision I, I've not regretted, not for a second. It hasn't always been easy, but I do not regret it. Best decision of my life. I've regretted dog purchases. I've regretted car purchases. I, 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 took, I sold a car three weeks after I bought it because I was like, I, this, that was stupid. I think selling it was even stupider. I think I, I think I lost double money. I've regretted a lot of things, never saying yes to Jesus. I invite you to say yes to Jesus this morning. How do you, if you haven't been baptized, listen, don't keep your private relationship. Your, it should be public, private. Get baptized, make your declaration. I had a couple try to tell me that they were married because they had prayed together. Uh, it seems like a guy's tactic to convince a girl to do something she otherwise wouldn't do. However, I said, well, the wedding ceremony is about going public with that. Would you like me to do a public ceremony? And I did a ceremony for them, help them to be able to do that. Um, Baptism is the public declaration. And so if you're here and you're a citizen, but you're, you've not got your paperwork, let me help you with your paperwork. I'll do water baptism anytime. You sign up online, I'll get you, we'll get you signed up. And we'll encourage you to bring your family so they can celebrate with you. Maybe, maybe you turned away from the Lord. Maybe you were a citizen and you got ushered, you found yourself not ushered out, but you left the garden. I want you to know there's a way back in. And not that you have to be baptized again, but you might, might be a good idea if you did just to make your declaration. Maybe you're waiting for someone in your family to make that declaration. Well, we could do that as couples, as families. We'll celebrate it as a church. Sound good? It's awesome. Awesome to be a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Amen. So sign up anytime online, and we'll set this back up next week if we have to. In fact, I'll say this. If you're here today and you want to say yes to Jesus, I'll, baptize, I'll get back in there with my dry clothes with you right now. I'm not joking. If today's your day, you raise your hand, and I'll baptize you right now. And this place will go nuts, <laughs> I can assure you. But don't just come up here to get wet. Make the decision. I say yes to Jesus, okay? Any takers? But I'll have to drive home wet. I have watched people giggle driving home wet, their hands raised, one on the wheel, because they got baptized. Okay, going once. 
You could still sign up, but you could get it done now. Well, you can't point at somebody that if he wants to, he can raise his own hand. Because <laughs> now I'll do, I'll do you twice. I, I already ba- you've already been baptized, right? Yeah. But I appreciate your desire to see your, your neighbor next to you get baptized. Are you wanting to? Are you serious? Dude, get up here. Come on, Nate. Are you, are you sure you're going to come? Oh, because if you're not, man. <laughs> it's okay if you're not. No pressure. <laughs> Nate, you don't have to get fully undressed. Please, in fact, please don't. Come on up here, Nate. No cell phone. Okay, come on. Hey, actually, Corey, I've got a towel that's right up there that I didn't realize was there. You good? No watches or anything? Come on, jump in here. Nate, this is the best. It is the best. That is cool. And, and I'm going to tell you something. There's, there's something extra because you've had to do something extra to be baptized today. And this makes it more special. I say it like this. Oftentimes, the way people declare their entrance into the kingdom of heaven determines how they will live in the kingdom of heaven. Some people sneak in and don't want to do the baptism and want to just be quiet about it, not really tell anybody, and that's how they'll live their entire Christian life. My friend, you've not really been quiet before, but this is pretty bold. This is pretty loud, and this is going to be something for the future, okay? Anything you want to anything you want to say? No. You're excited. Like I'm excited, you're excited. This is great. Okay, somebody's got to hold. Okay, I'm going to pray over you. Rowena would normally do a better job at this, but Lord, I thank you for this young man. I thank you for the day that he walked into this church. I thank you for the good things you've done in his life. He's been on mission trips and he's helped to be a part of the team and he's built friendships. There's people in this house who love him. Um, he didn't sign up for water baptism, but you signed him up, Lord. You, you destined this day. And with the same loud voice, he's saying, I'll drive home wet. I don't care. I'm gonna follow Jesus. I pray God that you'll bless and honor the steps afterward. This is a step a, a step of faith. And Lord, there'll be many other steps of faith, but he's going to be launched into every one of them because again, as you come in, is the way you'll live. And so thank you for him. We, we bless his life and everything his life touches. There's things he's praying about. Father, give him direction. There's the decisions he's making. Give him clarity, God. There's things that he's putting his hand to. Let him prosper. Dreams that he has, that he shared with me. God, and you probably have dreams bigger than his own dreams. We speak a blessing over him in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, anybody else? We'll do it quick. We'll line you up. That's awesome, Nate. I don't know what I'm going to do now. I have to teach a class after this. Anybody else? 
because I can't get any wetter. It's already happened. Okay. We're just going to dismiss you. Is that okay? All right. Sure, nobody else. Okay, Father, we thank you for your good people. Notice I didn't close my eyes. God never said I had to. I like to look at you. You're good looking. Father, I thank you for everybody in this church. Bless their lives. Thank you for all the people baptized today. All of them. Lord, we're proud of them all. They've said yes to you. May everyone in this room say yes to you and follow after you so that we can do a lot more baptisms, spread out these walls, establish your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church. 